Hello, my name is Lindsay Sarah Krasnoff, and I'm here with you for another episode of the Global Sports Conversation podcast series on behalf of CISD and SOAS. I'm joined today by Sarah Silla, journalist, founder of the Lady Hoop website and the Women's Sports Stories podcast, co-founder of Paris Lady Basket Club, entrepreneur, and so much more. Sarah, I'm delighted you could join us today. And I am not just awed, but I'm also inspired by the many professional hats that you wear. You've woven such a fascinating career in global sport from a variety of different angles, from the media and communication side to advocacy, coaching, business, and more. But what was your original inspiration? What originally attracted you to the world of sport and How did you become a self-professed basketball junkie? Hi, thank you for having me. I used to love sport when I was a kid. I used to play uh, at school. I didn't go to a club to play basketball or everything because my mother didn't have time to take me to in a club. So I started basketball when I was 18. A friend of mine bring me in a basketball pro game. So we watched it and I loved it. And I said, that's it. I want to play basketball like in a club. So she she brought me to to her basketball club and I started to play with her. And I started very old. I started at 18, but I started like 200%. I was playing every day, every weekend. I was doing all the tournaments in Paris, in France. Even in Switzerland, we were traveling to, to play with my friend and everything. And that's how I ended up in basketball. So first, it was just playing. I was not watching the game on TV or everything. It was just about playing the game and then I got interested by the NBA and uh, it was a dream team on the 19th so it was a dream team the NBA and we had a good level in France so I was watching game on TV and I started to get passionate about it and I was wondering why I couldn't see women playing professional because mm-hmm. in France, you can see women basketball on TV. So I started to search on internet and I couldn't get any information. So I was like, is there a woman basketball professional in France? And there was, but nobody was talking about it. So I started to search information on women basketball. And then I found the website called Lady Hoop. And I put all the information in it. Because I was like, if I'm searching the information, someone else is going to search also. So I created this website because I couldn't find any information on the internet. So I was like, I'm going to find the website about women basketball in France. So that's how I started the Lady Hoop. Wow. You know, we talk a lot about opportunity for women and girls to play sports, but Mm. less often spoken about is this issue of access. So it's not just playing, but it's also access to watch, access to consume, access to read and learn more about it. And I'm curious to know, with the growth of the internet and social media, and certainly certain things like broadcast of games on Twitter or other non-traditional television outlets, how has access to women's professional basketball, for example, changed in France? And do you see this as part of a larger global trend or not? Yeah. For sure. It helped a lot. We always say that girls don't do sports, girls don't play basketball or football, but they can't if they don't know that this exists. Like me, when I was watching on TV, I only saw men basketball. So I was like, there's no women basketball. So if you don't see, you can do the same. You don't have role model. You don't have example to watch. You, you can't play basketball if you think that women basketball don't exist and if you're a girl. So it was important for me when I created the website to give opportunities to the girls to see that women basketball exists in France and all over the world. 
but also to tell the stories of those women who are playing professional because nobody was talking about them and mm -hmm. it's still something like it's a job first and there is a lot of work behind this job and there is sacrifice and everything but people doesn't know about it so people just think that they are playing with passion and it's not a job because you do what you like but besides basketball like at a professional level you have a lot of work when you are a woman it's sacrificed because you can't have kids while playing professional and you can have normal family situation and everything so i wanted to tell those stories and i think the internet helped but what really helped was the social media because with mm -hmm. the social media the women the professional athletes the players they could tell their stories themselves so if no media talked about them, they were telling their stories. Today, you see a lot of basketball players, women basketball players, who have their Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, and they have Facebook page, fan Facebook page, and they tell how it's like to live as a professional player and how is it to play a basket final. And they are creating their own media. Mm. And this is how we can put a light on women's sports. I know very much. And, you know, that speaks concretely to Billie Jean King's famous saying that you need to see it to be it, that access is so key. And you know, the, the example that you speak about in France is really interesting uh, that there's all sorts of access and viewership of the men's game, even though there's not for the women's in the same way. Mm. Yet, when you look at the larger history and the winning trends of basketball in France, it's typically been the French women's basketball team that has yeah, yeah. brought home all kinds of medals and accolades. This is what drives me crazy because when you spoke with the big bosses of French Federation and with people they always say if you want us to talk about you you have to do results and to be good and to be like the best and like you said when you watch basketball history the women's team have more national medals than the men's team like they won two gold medals they were in the olympic final in 2012 this year they lost in final but they were still playing the final of eurobasket and this was their fourth straight final of eurobasket and this is something the men's team didn't do i think people think that we need the men to get the sponsors and the, all the money around basketball but if you don't try it on women you can know that it doesn't work I think you don't need the men to get people interested in the women because it's still basketball. It's the same basketball. They are not playing the same way. And you can tell stories and have a storytelling about the game, the women game, without the men game. No, that's very true. And that leads me to another question I had about your podcast, Siri, Women's Sports Stories, which I've been yeah. listening to. And that's interesting because you expand beyond the world of basketball but yet it seems like you're tapping into this really interesting element of the athletes telling their own stories in their own words. Yeah, this is something, I don't know if it's French or what, but I feel like in France, when a man do something big, like a big game or like score, I don't know, do a record, everybody's talking about it and you can see him like a hero for the nation. But when it's a woman, nobody's talking about it. I feel like we minimize all the women performances, but it's so easy to get a man as a hero. And it's not that easy to get a woman as a hero. Like in the US, we know a lot of women, like Serena Williams. In all sports, I can give you one name 
in the US one name of a, of a woman doing this sports. But if you talk with the kids here in France, I was talking mm-hmm. with, my, with the kids I'm working with, so they are all girls. So one day I gave them 10 sports and I told them, give me a name of someone who is playing this sport. And they gave me 10 names of guys and they couldn't mm-hmm. say a name of a girl. And they couldn't because nobody's talking about them. So this is the thing we were talking about before. You can say it if you don't see it. Yeah, no, very much. In that way, basketball helps to serve as a bridge, as does sport in general, across a lot of cultures and provides this people-to-people exchange that naturally occurs on the sports terrain. You know, we've talked a little bit earlier this month when we were talking about basketball diplomacy in Africa, about how sport can serve as an informal people-to-people diplomacy, cultural Mm -hmm. exchange. And I know you've done a lot of work with girls and basketball in France, but I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your experience working with girls and basketball in Senegal, I believe it was, in the villages outside of the capital of Dakar. Yeah. In the village of my parents, I think it's three years or four years ago. So it's a village where all my family is living and we have a lot of kids, so boys and girls. And boys were always playing football and the girls didn't play football. And I was like, don't you do sports? And they were like, we can't play football because football is a boy sport. So the parents wouldn't let them play football. And I was thinking about a way to bring them in sports, to give them something with sports. This is crazy, but there is in my village four basketball courts but they never played basketball and before I came with the basketball they never saw um, a basketball it was their first time with a basketball in the end so I brought a basketball and I gathered like I said all the kids if you want to play basketball just join me at this time on the court and I had between 30 and 40 kids some boys but mostly girls and it was their first time with the basketball and they enjoyed all the session we did four hours of basketball and they enjoyed it so much i brought shoes because one of the issues there is that they don't have equipment to to play so shoes and t-shirts and everything so i brought everything and balls and we played for one week because i stayed there one week and then they told they told me that they wanted to play even if i was not there so i bought basketballs in Dakar and I sent them the balls and they were still playing while I was not there. They were trying at least. (laughs) And then one of the teachers of the high school of the village contacted me and asked me if I wanted him to teach them how to play basketball because he knew about the basketball. So I gave him money to buy basketball and now I'm giving him money every month to teach the girls how to play basketball. And when I go there, we do like small clinic for two or three days. I bring with me some friends who are coach, basketball coach, and they come with me and teach them. Mm-hmm. So the village is in a Muslim region. So usually girls just take care of the house and the kids and everything, but they don't do sports. And with my idea of bringing basketball in their lives, I was scared that the parents wouldn't let their girls play basketball. But they did because they realized that with the basketball, the girls are more focused on their work because they need to finish their work to go play basketball. So they do it properly, so they can play basketball. So they realize that basketball helps their girls to grow as women and as girls. They were scared that with the game, they would leave everything away, but it's not the case. They don't leave everything away. They do it better to be able to go to play basketball. They wonder if it also helps to instill a certain sort of confidence or independence that might not otherwise be there for sure 
the best example for me is myself. Because when I was a kid, I was really shy. Like at school, I was good at school. So I knew all the answers. Basically, I knew all the answers when uh, the teacher was asking questions. But I couldn't tell because I couldn't speak in front of people. I was too shy for this. And the teacher knew it. I was really, really shy. And basketball helped me to meet people without having to go to them. Because we were a team. So I had all my first friends were thanks to basketball. They were like, even today, basically mm-hmm. all my friends, like 90% of my friends, they are, I met them on the basketball court. So the basketball helped me to get confidence. When I'm on a court, nobody can touch me and nobody can scare me and nothing can scare me. I'm really confident and I'm proud of me when I'm on a court or when I'm speaking about basketball or everything. And I know that before playing sports and basketball, I couldn't do all of that. So I think basketball is a good sport because... There is a lot of values that -hmm. you can use in life, like the fair play, like respect, respect your teammates, respect your opponents, like the team spirit. Like when you're a team, you have to help your teammates. Even if they are not in your team, you still have to help them. The team spirit. There is a lot of values that you can use in life, at work, or outside. I think basketball built me. Right. And, you know, this also brings us to another area that I was curious to ask you about. How do you view your experience in basketball, both from the coaching or clinic side, as well as from the communications journalism side, as helping to further knowledge exchange? So with mm-hmm. basketball, I traveled a lot, either with my friends by doing tournaments or when I became journalist, I covered a lot of competition, the NBA in the U.S., or the in Africa, the Afro basket in Africa, or even mm. the Olympics. I was in uh, in China. Wherever I was traveling, I was taking care that I was making sure that there was something around basketball there. So, mm-hmm. like my studies, I lived France and I was in Greece for one year. So I traveled a lot with basketball, and I learned a lot about the culture and about how people lived, how people played basketball in all those different countries, even if it the same spot we all play it differently like mm-hmm. in Greece it's when you play on playground it's a lot of five on five when you go to the US it's a lot of three on threes or one on one in France it's there is both of them three on three five on five in Africa it's a lot of five on five so there is a lot of rules proper to every country and I I had the chance to learn everything by traveling you go to speak and to know people that are not like you that are different from you. I get the chance to know them thanks to basketball. So when I meet someone, the first sentence we have is, uh, since when do you play basketball? It's all about basketball. And then we can speak about our own lives. But we start the conversation with basketball. So this is why I said basketball builds me because everything I do and every people I meet or every travel I do, everything has a common thing. It's basketball. And, you know, you've touched so much on the many different benefits that you've observed or taken away from the game and working in the game. But I wonder, what has been one of your biggest challenges working in global sport or in basketball? And how did you mm, overcome it? I think it's when I was, I still am, but less, but... I used to be journalist like full time. This was really my job. And the big challenge was I didn't study journalism. I studied computer science. And 
I became journalist because I was passionate about the game and I was writing about all my travels and everything. And then some friends who own the basketball magazine asked me to write for them. So I started to do interviews, to meet players, to meet coaching, to meet coaches, to cover competition and everything. So that's how I became journalist. And this is kind of not a usual way to become journalist. And the big challenge for me was to show people that I still deserved my place and my job, even if I didn't do the, like the right thing was to be in a school of journalism and everything. So I didn't have the classic way, but I still deserved to be there. And I could do it because I'm passionate about the game. And the players and the coaches knew that I was passionate about the game. And this is thanks to them that I I got the credibility of this job with my colleagues and everything. Because players were talking to me. So if they are talking to me, it means that I know the game and I'm like a real journalist. Even if I didn't do all the studying, the school and everything. So I think this is a big challenge. And to be a woman in sports first, to be a woman in sports who didn't do the right, the normal way. And to be black also, because in France, when I was covering like the European Championship, I realized that I was the only woman covering basketball in France and I was the only black woman. So so be a woman, be a black woman, be a, someone who didn't study journalism. I had to show that I was still at the right place and I could do it because I'm really passionate and I work a lot. I worked a lot to get where I where I am now. And I think this is how I could realize everything. So my big challenge, I said, this is be a black woman in a sports world. I'd like to kind of follow up on your last point, Sarah. Given your biggest challenge, have you seen any sort of improvement in the field for women of color working in the basketball or the sports field in France or globally? Yeah, I can't say no. Uh, yeah, because there is more and more women covering sports and even basketball. I think there there is an improvement for women, but I can say that there is an improvement for black women. There is an improvement for women and you can see it with the women um, football world cup who just ended in, in France. There are like women in all channel on TV, on the ground, on radio. It was all about women, but I don't know if I can say that improvement works for black women. But mm. the thing is as we said before with all the new social media and all the technologies, the podcasts and everything, everybody can create their own media. And this is how I think black women can own their media and uh, be part of the game. Uh, and so my, you know, my last question has been, what has been the most unexpected thing you've learned about working in the global sports or basketball world? Unexpected. I never knew that basketball would drive me to all I had the chance to do. So I think this is very unexpected. Uh, when I was a kid, for me, sports was just having fun and just be with your friend and just um, be busy on the weekends. But for me, it was not, you couldn't live with uh, with sports. Like when we were kids, my mother, she wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer of like all the big jobs, earning a lot of money. But I never knew that you couldn't earn money and build your life around basketball. It was very unexpected for me. And this is what sports learned me, that even with not being a professional player, there is so many things you can do playing in sports without being a professional player, like journalist, like a sports doctor. You can do referee, you can, there is a lot of things. And this is why I'm 
working a lot with the girls here in France because I feel like they are like me. Like they don't know what you can do and I want to show them what they can do. I think that this is the most unexpected thing. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time and for joining us today. Thank you. It was a it's been a pleasure. We'll see you next time for another episode of Global Sports Conversations.